0: I think both the profession and the businesses we serve are primed for change. So if anyone's going to like say, you know, I'm going to rock the boat in my organization and go this adaptive route, there's any better time to do so.
1: Welcome to the Failover Plan podcast. I'm Shane Matthew. On the last episode, we sat down with Dr. David Linsett and Mark Armour the authors of the book, adaptive Business Continuity and New Approach, and the primary drivers calling for major change in the way our industry approaches business continuity. Our conversation dug a bit deeper than the practices of adaptive business continuity. Instead, we spent our time talking about why their background and experiences inspired them to break from the herd and develop a methodology which has really grown since its inception in 2015. In this episode, we continue the conversation and dig further into their efforts to improve the profession and focus our attention on how they want to see adaptive business continuity move forward in the next five years. Along the way, I think we uncover a bit more about what drives them to go against the grain. Don't forget to subscribe to the Failover Plan podcast. You can easily find us at failoverpodcast.com or on iTunes and other podcast sites. And now, we continue the show. I want to spend some time talking about um, what's happened since the launch. You know, we've, we've talked about how you got there. So it's been five years. Things have been growing. You're now regularly featured at conferences. You have your own uh, you know, website. You guys are building, uh, you know, the Adaptive BC Solutions company is is now up and running and you got software i mean like there's been a lot of change in this time frame and you even have a certification program that that to me is is a pretty big uh, win were there hurdles going from starting of concept to getting all these things in place that you faced like what was the the issues around kind of moving from informal discussion and, and talk to now we're trying to make this a formalized aspect of the discipline.
2: I'll just say every step was a hurdle. There was there was <laughs> there was very yeah. little that came easy. The only the only thing that came easily was when we. When we got the manifesto out, we were moving towards the book and we're moving towards like, you know, how exactly what do we what do we call this? Uh, What's the international perspective on this? What do we do? You know, we could really use some help and some advisors. Um, Wow, we found a really smart group of people in about six months um mm-hmm. when we were down um, where were we i can't remember what, what conference we were at miami or i think it, like miami. it was miami yeah miami and Denver, like some combination of the two but i think it's miami um when we sort of put the word out before going like hey you know we'd really like people to come and join us and come and talk about this birds of a feather how do we plan this out and man we got some really smart people um and so i mean that That went well. Um, So did did they ever tell
1: you, David, I'm sorry, did they ever tell you why they decided to, to join this? I mean, were they having something similar to your epiphanies?
2: I think, um, yeah. I mean, everyone's got a, obviously a, a different story and different drivers. Um, so let's not minimize that. Um, I think in general, the, the people that came were uh, those were, that were just dissatisfied with the mm-hmm. with the industry and with the practices. They they were out trying. I think a lot of people, uh, you know, look. You you, you read the uh, you read the standards. Um, you read the books. You read what you are go- supposed to do. And you go out and you spend two or three years trying to do it and you realize oh, this there's a lot that just doesn't work. Doesn't and I don't know yeah. why this is and I don't know why am I doing this thing and why am I not doing something else and why is this thing forbidden, but this thing is okay, and how do I know if it's working and how do I know if I'm doing my job and my boss isn't giving me raises and right. I'm not appreciated. La, 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 la. <laughs> so, you know, I think that's the the kind of the story there that um, you know, that's why people gravitate to it. The other thing I've found is that there are a lot, that, I don't know. I think a number of people that are really have dug into, um, what we're doing and, and how to make it better and how to talk about it and those types of things. Um, I think, you know, look, they're dissatisfied with the, the, the method, the, the system of business continuity, just like I have been. Um, there's so little that holds traditional standard business continuity together. Why do I do a risk assessment? Why shouldn't the risk team be doing that? Right. Why Why are the solutions that we talk so briefly about in the guides um, targeted for upper management approval and funding? Right there, it gets you the sense that like, oh, I should be doing, I should be buying extra buildings and extra data centers as opposed to, I should get Sally a laptop bag to take home with her every night. <laughs> and so, you know, look, why, why aren't, we doing, why do we do some things and not others? And how do I make that judgment? Um, and until, you know, adaptive at least tried to throw out there some like, okay, look, we think we can measure this. And if we can measure it, we can judge it. And if we can. And so if someone else comes along and says, okay, guess what? I have a new approach to business continuity. It's called blah, blah. Um, great. We've got a way. Then we say, okay, good. Uh, Tell us why it works and what doesn't work and how do we judge? And does it make, look at the end of the day, does it make organizations and our communities more able to recover from disaster? Right. That's the litmus test. Right. Um, and we can get there.
1: So, you know, David, you mentioned uh, some hurdles and you talked through some of the challenges you faced it a little bit, but I want to dive a little bit more deeper into that. I mean, you know, from the outsider, it definitely seemed like there was uh, some apprehension. I can see you speak for myself, as I've told you guys, uh, you know, before that, you know, I was skeptic. Uh, about the motivations and things like that. So I'm sure maybe others received that same kind of feeling where maybe they just act out in that way because this was such a big change. You know, were there situations that you really were not expecting that just came out of left field for you in terms of the reception?
2: so I mean I think we always expected pushback anytime you're going against a, a standard something that's um, that's in place it's going to be harder um, I think Mark put it best in one of his writings uh, in a LinkedIn post that we, I think we expected the the Pushback. I just, I don't think we expected it to be as vitriolic so, as it what was. What do you
1: mean? Like, you know, was, were people angry about this? Or
2: Yes, yes, yes. So we've had, <laughs> and, and Mark, uh, feel free to, to chime in here. Um, certainly, sure. here, Mark and I have been disinvited to conferences and to being keynote speakers. Um, there was a time when we had an entire edition of a journal ready to go on adaptive and when push came to shove they backed out of it because it was too controversial and they thought it would cause too many readers or uh, membership to drop Um, we've certainly seen a lot of very surprising very personal attacks uh in in social media and we've been called everything from Unethical, to unprofessional, to even causing causing dangerous.
0: Death. Yeah, or, <laughs> dangerous. Or a risk to or a risk to people's lives. I didn't yeah. realize, and, and didn't
2: not in the, not in the cool like dangerous guitar way what, <laughs> what <I mean?
0: laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're, you're doing the wrong thing. <laughs> in addition to all that, I, I, I spoke I spoke at a, at an international conference in London last year, and uh, and the BCI had I thought some rather flattering comments and stuff like that, but. Uh, all of that has now disappeared so
1: so do you think that the tide has is turned or that people are just uh um just not satisfied yeah like where, where do you feel like the sensitivity belongs
0: actually i think there's always gonna be people who are sensitive to, to change. I think uh, some people have a vested interest in traditional practices and standards, right? Because some of these people actually contributed to the development of ISO 22301 or BS 2295525999, uh, and some of these other practices. So understandably, if we're telling people that those are wrong and exposing some of the issues, people will probably take that personally. I understand that.
1: That's a good point. I'm I'm glad you brought that up. The standards obviously are different from what adaptive is focused on, right? And has anyone from those those areas uh, any representatives reached out and talked to you and asked questions, or has it been largely, you know, kind of radio silent? Uh, Mostly, I mean, I
0: I suspect that some of the people that we've had some rather rancorous debates with are the folks who behind the scenes probably helped develop some of these standards. Uh, again, going back to last year, I had some really good conversations with with leaders at BCI, and again, they published some some interesting stuff about adaptive. And they had some yeah, they had their criticisms, but they also had some good things to say. All that stuff's gone, so yeah, and, uh, that, and- that
2: tells you. And it, uh, we mean literally gone. We mean yeah, like, you can't find it. There were videos, there were posts, there were um, articles on the BCI
0: website. There the were UK. articles that had oh, been no. posted
2: up in support of Adaptive, and uh, a few weeks after those got uh, came up, there were some interesting behind the scenes things that machinations that happened, and they're all gone now. You can't
0: find it. Well, there, there were some there is some clearly some vitriolic comments on some of those some of those blogs from the dci by members of the dci and um well these these usually went above the fray and that's that, that's all gone and understandably so i don't
2: think and the comments guy, that were uh, particularly negative in in that instance weren't directed towards us they were directed towards the people that were DCI leaders yeah yeah. So, yeah so it's it's difficult you know we've had a we haven't had a lot of as much debate in the sort of old school standard style of debate that I would like. It, it, I would very yeah. much enjoy sort of going through some of these points and, and really taking and opening up a, a space for dialogue and saying, OK, well, l- let's really take a moment and say, what, what are you talking about when? We should, you know, get rid of documentation or document only for mnemonics and, and have a real discussion about, well, look, I think we all probably agree that nobody opens the binders at time of disaster. We all agree that auditors and regulators are driving a lot of the need to write things down. So could we come to some, you know, I don't expect we're gonna agree a hundred percent on every point, but you know, can we get to a, that Venn diagram that's overlapping a lot more? um and i think we could um but you know it's it's kind of reflective of the way that politics in america is going which it's so polarized and it's yeah. you know, and it's pick a team and support it no matter what and um, that that it's very emotional
0: right i, I understand we some people take some of this stuff personally because some of them have a
2: have a vested interest
0: in the development of standards and the support of standards um, if we can take the emotion out of it, then we can have the debate that David's talking about, about you know, one practice versus another and what's providing value and, and what actually delivers when the disaster occurs. I think we should have be, be having more of those debates. Unfortunately, it's really hard to have mm-hmm. them.
1: I'm going to ask the question: is, is there an opportunity or option that you two would consider to to have that healthy discussion and debate in a in a forum where there's a moder- moderated kind of approach, and that we we answer the questions that uh, a lot of our BC practitioners probably have about adapt? Yeah, and, and which I'll be interested Butler. in. That?
2: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, it's it's just tough. How do you how do you open up that space to? Have those kinds of dialogues in a, right. in a friendly environment, and you know, the, the mood of the right. the mood of the country isn't isn't there for that kind of a thing. Although, you know, maybe, and I, and I'm not sure what the narrative of COVID 19 will be in the coming months or the coming years, and particularly what what the narrative of business continuity and COVID 19. That's a whole nother topic for us to discuss. but but maybe coming out of that will be a (laughs) opportunity for some reflection Um, but perhaps not
1: you know is there a achievement that you guys are most proud of in these last five years what has kind of made you look back and say it was worth it just to get that if it ended right now I'm glad we just at least got this
2: what a great question Um, I think for me it's the emails that I get maybe once a week or so from somebody i've never heard of that just said wow thanks Uh, it may not even agree right thanks for asking these questions or thanks for trying something new thank or or, this absolutely changed my life um you know i was doing it this way and i was very unhappy and now Mm -hmm. i am happy um i uh got an email from someone um it was like hey um your approach really helped our organization to to get through the first few days of COVID and shutting down for COVID, like wow. what else could be better than that? Yeah,
1: that's, okay, that's it, man. Right,
2: that gives me goosebumps.
1: What about you, Mark?
0: For me, it's it's all the it's all the accolades and all the awards and all the things <laughs> that I've, that I've got. Gold. <laughs> I'm delusional. That certainly helps a lot. <laughs> um, it's coming through in the interview, it definitely. As, as David said, it's no one thing, right? It's it's all of them and it's and it's it's the journey you know i can't i can't ever look back and say oh that's one thing was was like the best ever every time as david says every time somebody somebody either thanks me or somebody provides some input that provides maybe some insight that i hadn't had before Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to me that's 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 just makes it all it would be great that to to think that we've made the world a little bit better, and the com-
2: community is a little bit more protected, and organizations a little bit better off, and practitioners a little
0: more valued. I mean, that wow, that that would be great. Yeah. And, and right. some, maybe someday the evidence of that will, <laughs> will will be available to that to to us, right? But uh, yeah, um, I mean, I think going back to what I said, I think a lot of people were already kind of doing this. So once they come came across Adaptive, they're like, oh. I recognize that. Oh, that, that makes sense. This is how I'm doing it. Thank, thank you for at least kind of like giving me license. Thank you at least for, for voicing what mm-hmm. I've always known, but struggled with because I had this whole yeah. host of voices. Or a vocabulary, vocabulary or
2: a banner for rally around. Stuff. Yeah, we had a lot of people in the first years going, wow, I've been doing so many of these things, but I didn't know what to call it and nobody else was doing mm-hmm. it. So I didn't really get to talk about it much, but wow, that's great.
1: Um, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I, I hate to say that, like, We didn't, like, invent this. This is based on a lot of... And it will be. And, you know, I think you'll get to talking
2: about the future. And, you know, to me, that's what's going to be so very interesting. I mean, there's only so much that two or four or 15 people can do. Um, And Adaptive has always Hmm. been about trying to pull together the proven practices, what actually works. And what works in 2020 amidst the COVID may not be the thing that works in uh, 2023 or 2025. I mean, it may well change and we ought to expect that it will change. So it's going to take that... A community of of thinkers and researchers and testers and entrepreneurial people and you know just to try stuff. Let's try some stuff out. Um, I did a, a, a webinar I don't know a couple of weeks ago called Weird Science, which is like let's just try stuff. That's how lean and entrepreneurial and other items work, right? So mm. let's what would happen? So one of the one of the things I talked about is. What would happen if the only documentation you could do while planning, uh, well, preparing and planning, now that's a whole other, well, we'll get in and out. As I prepare with a department, what if the only documentation I could use was literally the back of an envelope? How would that change the dynamic hmm. for what I was doing with that group, with those people, and really change the focus and being about capacities? Um you know, what if it, so let's try some weird things let's try some different things and you know if they work do more of it and if they don't work stop doing it and do something else, um, but we're back to trying to figure out what kinds of things work and which kinds of things don't work and that's going to change.
0: Twenty twenty will be a very interesting year I and mean, the, the outcome of what we've all been through the first half of this year will be Oof. will be very telling. I mean, there's a lot of there's a spotlight on business continuity, but I think there's also a lot of truths emerging from the business context right. world, I think I think more than ever, I think both the profession and the businesses we serve are primed for change. So if anyone's going to like say, you know, I'm going to rock the boat in my organization and go this adaptive route, I don't think there's any better time to do so. Right now, no. this is the yeah, time to capitalize, yeah.
1: right? So as we're talking about those people that may have already you know, joined your your uh, advisory committee or group. And then, you know, what what are the characteristics you see in these the people or professionals that tend to be the ones who are most likely to make this shift? I mean, is it is it people exactly like you in that mindset of looking for ways to fix it? You said that other people kind of already started doing this and then they found that adaptive is very close to what they have already kind of felt. You know, for people thinking about making this shift, you know, what would you say is the advice you would give to those types of people, or the characteristics they would need to be really to make this happen for them?
0: So I, I don't I don't want to say they're all smart and intelligent. They absolutely all are, but I think that takes away from people who maybe still following traditional practices who are also extremely smart. Extremely. I don't want to take anything away from them. There's a lot of very smart, very capable people in this in this industry. I think it just has to. You have to have a willingness to maybe take chances. Hmm. Right. So I, mean, I think if you're willing to maybe go a little bit against the grain, again, these are people who already said, you know what, this, this here isn't working for me. I'm going to try this in my organization. Um, and then they stumbled upon Adaptive afterwards and, and then said, oh, it's kind of reflects reflex, I'm already working. So I, I think people are willing to take a little bit of risk, which is unusual because we look so much at business continuity as, well, we're all mitigating risk and we're all, we're all looking to avoid and manage our risks um, and what we forget is if, if we have the ability to respond effectively to, to when things do go south, that gives us some degree of latitude to maybe take on more risk, right? I, I think um, you know, everybody uses that old analogy that what is the, the Chinese symbol for, for, uh, for is it Crisis, risk? is like it, opportunity uh, and danger right, or something like that, right, right, right? So right, right. we have to get out of this mindset that risk is always something to be avoided. There are opportunities in risk and i think people who recognize that they're the folks who probably gravitate towards adaptive more than anything.
1: David any
2: thoughts? I think you've got to be willing to be uncomfortable. Hmm. I think I don't think business continuity can can bake a cake anymore. I don't think you can write down the steps to take as a business continuity practitioner and have it come out uh, the, the organization is always going to be resilient. Uh, that's one of my worries with ISO 22301, is like, okay, well, so if I have an organization that went through every step of ISO 22301, can they recover from disaster? I don't know, maybe they did a terrible job. The auditors will tell that. you
0: they did, that's for sure. How
2: would I know? Uh, But if I'm going to say yes or no, and that, you know, that's part of the complexity here, right? Survivability is not a yes or no proposition, either is recoverability, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about shades of gray here and there. As we saw from um, what we learned from uh, Hurricane Katrina and Christchurch, well, first of all, What we learned is there's so little research out there on what organizations actually do and whether it worked or not. And we can come back to that if you want. But again, anyone listening, please go figure that out. Um, (laughs) But... What we learned from Christchurch and and, and the others is like, look, there were some ways that it was best to go out of business and take that capital and go do something else. Um, It was best in some ways to to massively pivot and change the business proposition of what it is that you are offering. And there were some really bad ways to stay in business and try and tough it out over the long term. So recoverability is not a yes or no proposition. And what we see is that You know here's where it gets really interesting the things that seem to make the most difference in a post-disaster environment particularly a protracted post-disaster environment have to do with employee and and stakeholder and customer care which is a lot about listening and empathy and Mm. showing that you are worried about them and that you really do care about them so should business continuity practitioners be teaching active listening skills maybe that may be the thing if um one of the other things is to have a lot of cash that's a really <laughs> good thing another is to be able to pivot and change your business model so think about this right if and the other on oh, the other one is to be very creative and innovative particularly uh, people dealing uh, on the front line uh, with customers and stakeholders so that means empowering frontline employees up and down the organization to be able to make their own decisions uh, and take action without direct instructions. So now think about this. If that's what really matters in a post-disaster environment, I should be spending a lot less time writing instructions mm-hmm. about what to do and a lot more time, okay, let's practice, let's work on our active listening skills. Let's work on our empathy. Let's, let, let's work on uh, getting some more cash reserves. Let's work, uh, I'm going to work with the leaders of the industry. Uh, now, uh, my organization say, okay, well, you know, worst comes to worst, What could we do instead? Yeah, uh, that seems very odd, um, and yet maybe those are the kinds of conversations we should be happening, uh, be having. Uh, but at least let's you know, I, I personally don't get a lot of access to the uh, to the C-suite and talking directly at that level. Um, for this is what we should do or not do. I usually work directly with the departments uh, or the BC practitioners. And so there's a lot we can do right there. I mean, we can empower, we can encourage, we can teach, we can improve uh, the soft skills, we can improve the resources and the procedures and the competencies. I mean, there's so much work to be done there. Um, But to me, what's so very interesting is based on the little evidence that we have, we might really wanna rethink what it is that we do as as business continuity experts.
1: So let me pivot a little bit. Um, You know, as a consultant myself, I've gone through so many organizations, and I've noticed that the culture of the organization really has an impact on how well they perceive the business continuity program, right? So even though they spend money sometimes on it, you know, they might invite me to come and help them, it's still a cultural thing about how well they take this. So what would you say is the culture of organizations that are more receptive to adopting the adaptive business continuity approach than others. Is there a difference in the types of companies that uh, may be more open to it?
2: I could make some guesses, but I yeah. don't have a lot of evidence to back that up. The, the number one thing that I've found as a, as a factor is how bad of a taste in the mouth business continuity has <laughs> in that organization, I've gone to places where, no, we can't use the word BIA. We can't even use the word business continuity. We can't talk about those things because they hate it. They hate those things. Okay, cool. Works for me. Um, So, you know, for me, that's been the biggest one is so many organizations are like, oh, this was a colossal waste of time. and I can't believe we're going to try and do it again. Um, You know, I could imagine where, yeah, no, other than that, you'd think, yeah, I've had very good success with, for example, some military uh, operations. And you'd think sort of that top-down command and control would be a, a hindrance, and yet they mm-hmm. you know, military aircraft sports. I mean, they understand you give a group of people you, equ- you equip a group of people to deal with a complex situation. You give them the parameters they need, the guidelines they need, the objectives that they're supposed to hit, and then you let them go. Um, that's, that's yeah. how you catch bad guys and that's how you, you you win Super Bowls and whatnot, right? You don't have long lists of instructions. Um, what you do is equip the people to do the job they're supposed to do within certain parameters of doing it.
1: You know, now that we're here, you know, you, you obviously have made a lot of inroads, but there's still quite a bit of, of discussion and, um, debate left to do. With a large segment of the organis of 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 the industry, you know, what do you do going forward? Do y'all have a a plan or a thought process about how you would approach that? We never
0: had a plan. (laughs) (laughs) I think I well, the next step's going to be go outside the discipline. It's the CIOs and the CFOs and the CIOs and and at the end of the day, they're the ones who really are going to be ultimate decision makers and the ones who determine is this working? Is this not working? Um, and I think, yeah, COVID's kind of our opportunity to, to really, sure. really be able to compare apples to apples. Cause we've seen this across the globe now. So everybody's at least gone through a very similar experience and, and hopefully, yeah, at the executive level, right. this
1: I, I think you have a really, ex- you're right. You're, there is an excellent opportunity. The, the atmosphere, uh, is one of, BC has now been officially gone through the ringer of an event, mm. right? And and there's many more people now that have visibly seen how business continuity can impact an organization. So the question begs to be answered, you know, how well did organizations go and do under the current approach? Depends on who you ask. And where they say, I think right, if you ask them, right, the right, exactly. practitioners,
0: a lot of people will say, yeah, we did great, even though there are probably a lot of issues behind the scenes. Um, I think you asked leaders, they're probably going to be a little bit more open and probably a little more critical of of how well things went. And I I think you're going to find people in the business continuity world who fall into that camp of, well, leadership didn't listen to me. Um, I gave them all these options and I told them they need to do this and this and this, and they chose not to do it. And of course, we're seeing new results.
1: So, you know, going back to what I was asking earlier about the the way forward, you know, we kind of know now, what adaptives mindset is, and where you're going to be focusing attention um but as an industry as a whole, you know, do you have any thoughts on where where the industry is going to go, not necessarily if it's the right move or not, but you know what are your thoughts on how the industry' is gonna move forward after this huge event? <laughs>
2: Mark, you get, oh, what, do you, what do you got? for you. What do you
0: got? Where is it? Where is it going to go? I, I love. Right now, we I I can't even make vacation plans two months from now because I don't know what's going to happen. When we talk about where the business community right. kind of profession is going to go, it's up in the air. I can't even make a guess right now. I can tell you what I'd like to see happen. I would. I would really like to see. I guess the the terminology within the discipline change. I want us to stop talking about plans and exercising plans and testing plans and writing plans. Um, I want us to stop talking about compliance and checking the box and doing things for regulations sake and for auditors, right? Because as business company professionals, don't we own and run our programs? Aren't we the experts? Shouldn't we be making the decision about what should be done Within business continuity to prepare organizations. Instead, we just say, "Oh, the regulators told us we have to do this." So I guess I guess I'm doing that. Uh, our internal audit gave us a finding here. I guess I'm doing it. I, I would like I would like five years from now to to be you know audits audits and regulators are there to support us and, and help us, not check boxes, but build support where necessary. And yeah, certainly maybe um, highlight where there's issues and gaps and where things are not going and again i want us to to focus less on plans and documents and documentation um and talk more effectively about yeah the value that we're delivering um and and how we're measuring capability that's that's what i'd like to see
2: Mm -hmm. yeah i I echo all of those things i i wonder if there's maybe two ways to think about that shift. And one is exactly what, what Mark said, which is move away from the idea of documentation towards capabilities. That opens up a whole new spectrum of, of things that we're doing and why it's important. And, you know, I think one of the things that we saw and we are going to see with COVID is, you know, a lot of what we're doing is preparing people. Yes, had to have the data centers ready. We had to have the infrastructure. We had to have VPN connections. We had to have laptops. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there are resources and and crisis competencies. But um, but, you know, it's a funny sort of thing in business continuity where in, in most of the other emergency management, let's call it let's call it. Um, I hate to say resilience, but let's call it resilience. (laughs) So think about crisis management, right? At a time of crisis, what happens? You get all the lay people out of the way and the people who are trained in crisis management as crisis management professionals take the stage. What happens in emergency management? You get the lay people out of the way and you get the police officers, the first responders, the fire departments up and to do their types of things. Um, In an IT disaster recovery, you get the people out of the way, the lay people out of the way, you get the experts in IT DRL. Up there to do their thing. In business continuity, uh uh-uh. uh. The people who have to go, come up and take the main role are the lay people who don't do any of this stuff for a living. They are forced to come into this difficult role in a chaotic environment um, and take charge and make sense of it. And mm-hmm. this is a strange sort of a thing that we do in business continuity. There is a, a very human element that we deal with that no other resilience or no other standard crisis management ER, ITDR profession deals with, and we have to get the lay person ready. So maybe that shift of let's get rid of talking about documentation and to some extent, even deliverables, let's focus more on the people, the human and getting these people ready because man, it's going to be a marathon. The next couple of years are going to be brutal and we better focus on our people very soon.
1: Thank you for that. I think that's a very good summary of the next few years because I think we're all in this place really needing to come up with a strategy, whether it's uh, to traditional or through adaptive practices. It's going to be a rough couple (laughs) of months, let alone years, as we figure our way. Thanks again, David. Thanks again, Mark. We're so excited to have you here.
2: Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much for your time. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it's been fun.
1: Thanks for joining us this week on the Failover Plan Podcast. You can find out more about adaptive business continuity by visiting David and Mark's site, adaptivebcp.org. We'll leave the link plus David and Mark's contacts in the show notes. Make sure to visit our website, failoverpodcast.com, or find us on iTunes and other podcast sites to subscribe. And if you'd like to get alerted when we post another episode, please subscribe to our email list, which you can find on our website. Thanks again for listening, and remember, Why learn how to do something on your own when there's got to be someone else who may have already learned this the hard way?